This church was incorporated on December the 28th of 1990. Now, we didn't have our worship service until, um, our first worship service until about a month and a half later, on February the 10th of 1991. So in essence, today is our 21st birthday as a church. But we were incorporated as a church on the 28th of December under state laws, uh, under the corporate name of Hilarion. Um, Hilarion is an, an English rendition of a Greek word, Hilarion, that's found in 2 Corinthians 8, when, when you know the text that says, and God loves a cheerful giver. Well, the word cheerful uh, is the word Hilarion. And so Gracie Van was incorporated um, on the 28th of December, under the name Hilarion. Later that day, actually that night of the 28th of December of 1990, a, a small group of us, um, about 40 people, met in the home of Tom and Karen Jordan um, to allow me to share a vision for a church and to launch a church. Um, on that night. Uh, we were seeking uh, on that night to raise $30,000 that we thought would last us six months. And um, before that night was over, we had in hand or had raised over $60,000. The next day, uh, I met a man in a parking lot of a hotel that no longer exists. That is, the hotel has been leveled, uh, I met uh, a man in a parking lot who gave me a check for $10,000, and we as a church were off and running. Um, as I said, we, uh, we, we had our first worship service on February the 10th of 1991, and about a year later, uh, I forget exactly, but about a year later, we found a piece of property that we felt that God would have us to buy, and we uh, sought to raise monies for that piece of land, the, the piece of land that you are seated on presently. Um, we sought to raise monies to buy and pay cash for that piece of land. Uh, we paid $400,000 for 20 acres here that we are seated on right this minute, and by um, later on, I guess a couple of years later, three or four years later, we bought the 25 acres that are behind us. So we have a total of about 45 acres, 47 acres, whatever it is here. But about a year later, we, 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 wanted, we found this piece of land, and we raised uh, $400,000 cash and paid cash for this piece of land. Um, we then immediately began to search for a bank that would loan us the money to build our first building, which is that building over there, which is the Wednesday night building and our first sanctuary. So, and that wasn't an easy task, to find somebody that would uh, take a chance on this squirrely little bunch and, and loan us a couple of million dollars to build a building. But we uh, finally found one and uh, began to uh, draw plans for our first building. We have, uh, since the, the very beginning of the church, uh, built six times. Uh, the sixth project is the one that you're seated in now, but we had built five times other than that. And on every occasion of those other five building projects, 
we went to a bank, um, sought a loan, um, secured a loan, which was then serviced. That loan was serviced by the, uh, the giving uh, of God's people here at, at Gracie Van. Um, so after 21 years, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a piece of good news for you. On behalf of the, uh, the elders of Grace Evangelical Church, I'm pleased to announce to you that for the first time in 21 years, Grace Evangelical Church is completely out of debt. We are, as a church, debt-free. <laughs> um, on February the 2nd of this month, the last of the payments were made to uh, the banks, um, and all of those mortgages that were, were then in place had been paid, and as a church, we are now free from, um, from any liens, any, any obligations that we might have to financial institutions, and we're thus free to, um, to pursue some pretty significant and, and pretty meaningful um, uh, opportunities for kingdom expansion. You know, guys, uh, in a church this size, um, there's, there are always those who are, um, who are galled by the fact that some of their giving is going towards bricks and mortar. <laughs> well, I can assure you from, uh, from this day forward, uh, every dime that you give will be going towards uh, ministry, either locally or globally. Uh, we want to become even more aggressive than we've been in the past in terms of giving money away and finding uh, legitimate and trustworthy opportunities to invest monies that God provides here for the expansion of the kingdom. Uh, we, we, we're convinced that the opportunities for us as a church and for you as an individual to be, uh, to be doing the very thing that God designed you to do in the first place, we believe that those opportunities are going to now increase. We want uh, giving to be our church's middle name, as, as it is God's middle name, giving. God is, uh, is the great giver. Now, guys, I, for one, am, um, am very glad about these buildings. Um, I think we have some wonderful facilities, and they were, they were never designed to, to make sure that everybody was the most comfortable. Um, they, were, they were always designed to be a tool that would help us uh, meet the needs that exist in our community. We wanted to fit into our community such that we would be considered good neighbors uh, on, on the part of our community. We wanted our community to be glad that we were here, and we want them to be sad if we're ever not here. Uh, but these, these buildings allow us that, that opportunity uh, for ministry here in our community. Now, permit me just to say a couple more words about the, the bricks and the mortar. Some of you who have been around here for a long time, um, 
you paid for these things. Uh, you, have, you have sacrificed, you have given sacrificially so that, so that, we, that we can have these facilities. So that we, the, you've sacrificed to make these buildings happen that, that we're all enjoying. Others who have come after you are enjoying uh, the fruits of your sacrifices. But I want to ask you this. Um, has God not proved himself faithful to us over all of those years that we thought we were sacrificing? Has he not proved his trustworthiness in terms of what we thought were going to be difficult financial times when in fact that's not true guys um to you who have been around here a while you're the only ones who can verify what i'm about to say but in the in the midst of uh, building these things and securing this land and all that business there have never been any schemes there have never been any thermometers there's never been any um any marketing strategies we never hired an outside agency to come in to raise money among us tell me um those of you who have been here for for 21 years if there are any more but um how many sermons have you heard me preach in the course of 21 years on money Maybe two, maybe, and yet the money has come in. How do you explain that? Well, let me tell you how I explain it. God. God in his great goodness and kindness to us has... um, has provided for us a completely apart from any kind of human ingenuity. There has been no human ingenuity. We never sought it, we never tried it, we never used it. It has simply been God's great faithfulness to us as a congregation and to us as individuals who, who stretched thinking that God would have us to do that. And in the midst of it, he has met all of our needs and all of our needs individually, has he not? So God's, um, God has provided these monies over the course of at least two recessions uh, the, the most recent recession being the most severe economic downturn that th- this country has seen since the Great Depression. He has provided those monies through those times to the point that I can stand here this morning and tell you we are debt free. The only slogan that has ever been used around here which is the slogan that will continue to be used around here, is a call to you to live more simply, 
so that we can give more sacrificially, so that we can accomplish the Great Commission. That has always been our theme. It, it, it will continue to be our theme. But what we're trying to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to, is to, get, is to mobilize the laity to get you out of your shire so that you can get about the, the work of Jesus Christ. Gang, if it's, um, if it's a lazy place that you want, uh, a place where the message applauds human goodness, you've come to the wrong place. The message and the theme and the commitment here at Gracie Van is about a Christ a Christ who is the King of Kings, who uh, has endured the cross and despised the shame so that he could pay our debt. Now, all of that, ladies and gentlemen, leads me to my text. If you've got a Bible and it's open, you might turn to John chapter 19. This is my text, three quick verses, beginning in verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Guys, that's a text that I chose um, uniquely for this morning. Because it gives me a, a chance to tell a story that I love to tell. I've told it before. I first heard this story uh, when I first became a Christian back in the 70s. Uh, I think it was from Jim Kennedy's mouth that I first heard this story that I'm about to tell you. The story has to do with a three-word English sentence that's found in verse 30 there in your, in your New Testament. It is... Um, it is a, uh, a, the sentence is, it is finished. Um, you may not know this, but in the Greek, uh, you know the New Testament is written in Greek. The, New, uh, the, the, the Greek is only one word. It is this word. That is the Greek word that is found in John chapter 19, verse 30. It is the third person singular, perfect tense of the Greek verb teleo, a verb that means to finish or to end. Uh, that is, as I said, the third person singular, perfect tense or form of that. That's the English rendition of, of that word, tetelestai. When Jesus hung on the cross, the word that you find in John chapter 19, verse 30, that is translated by three English words, is that word. It is one Greek word, and that is it. Tetelestai. Now, if you could just leave that up there. 
Um, that word has a story to tell about it. Let me tell you the story. In 1952, a young shepherd boy was playing around uh, and among the caves that encircled the Dead Sea in Israel. You know where the Dead Sea is? The Dead Sea is that, that big body of water in South Israel. Um, some of you have seen the Dead Sea. Some of you have been in the Dead Sea. I have been in the Dead Sea with some of you. Uh, but that's the, it, this little shepherd boy was playing around the Dead Sea, and he was throwing rocks. He threw a rock into a cave, and he heard something break upon the impact of a rock, a piece of pottery or, or something, but he heard something break. He went, into one of those ca- he went into the cave into which he'd thrown the rock and made what is perhaps the most significant archaeological discovery in the entire 20th century. That little shepherd boy made the discovery of what is known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. You, you've heard of that, I'm sure. Uh, even if you're young, you perhaps have heard of the, of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Among the great hall of, of stuff that was found in that series of caves around the Dead Sea, uh, through a series of excavations, there were, there were numerous, actually hundreds of ancient documents found in those caves. Among those documents were several um, Old Testament texts. Um, there was entire books, for instance. There was uh, the whole book of Isaiah. There was like four copies of the whole book of Isaiah. There were numerous fragments of the, uh, the Old Testament scriptures. Leading uh, archaeologists to, to, a, to a great confidence in the Old Testament that you and I read. It has been a real boon for the, um, for the Christian Old Testament, for the Jewish Old Testament. It, was, um, it, it confirmed so much. Of, uh, of what we find in the Old Testament. But also among this treasure trove of documents that were found were numerous non-biblical items. Uh, there were hundreds of what, they were call- what were called in the 50s, bills of lading. Uh, three words, bills of lading, L-A-D-I-N-G. The word that I think you would best understand is the word receipt. There were hundreds of, of receipts that were found in the, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. On the bottom of those receipts, there was written a word. That one. On those receipts, hundreds of them, there was written at the bottom of them, that Greek word. To telestai. And what it meant on the bottom of those receipts is what Jesus meant when he used that word in John chapter 19, verse 30. As the last words that come out of Jesus' mouth before he died, what Jesus meant by saying that is exactly what this communicated on these, on these receipts, on the bottom of these receipts that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Gang, these receipts were, um, were a record of a transaction. A transaction that had taken place between a buyer and a seller. A seller had sold something. A buyer had given whatever demand was required by the seller. And then the 
seller gave to the buyer a, a receipt, a bill of lading, and he wrote on the bottom of it, Tetelestai, meaning that exchange there was paid in full, that there was, um, there was nothing more owed in this, uh, in this, this transaction. And then he gave that receipt to the buyer to prove that the debt between the two of them had now been canceled. No more was owed on that transaction. Now, guys, when Jesus died, the last thing that he said was that. And he's not saying, oh my, my life is over, it's done, I'm finished. That's not what he was saying. He was saying this, ladies and gentlemen, to you and to me. He was saying, Jimmy Young, do you know that debt that you created because of your sin? Jimmy Young, I I am paying for that. I'm going to pay that whole debt off. Everything that you owe, Jimmy Young, I'm going to pay for you. The the one to whom you owe a debt, my father, my father has been satisfied because of what I have paid on your behalf. So that that debt that you had, Jimmy Young, has been paid in full by me for you. And now, Jimmy Young, you're free. You're free to go live a life that glorifies me. You're free to go live without the moment's fear that there still needs to be another payment added. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I, as a part of Gracie Van, can and should celebrate that there is no more bank that needs to be satisfied by any further payments. That's done. But far better than that, ladies and gentlemen. You and I can celebrate. You and I can worship. That the God, that had been offended by our sin, has been satisfied. The debt that you created by your sin. To tell us that. It is finished. It is paid. 
Nothing else need be added. And so this morning when you come to this table, my friends, we have much to thank God for. But at the top of that list is something that has nothing to do with a bank. Let's pray. Our Father, I I pray that you will meet with us now as we uh, remember the the sufferings of the one who paid our debt, the one who, um, who had enough righteousness, sufficient righteousness, that the Father would be satisfied once his work was done. And so the rest of us who are now enjoying the great freedom that is ours in Christ, we enjoy it because somebody else paid our debt. Lord, as a church, we're grateful that you have provided for us so wonderfully to pay off the banks here locally. But Father, that pales into insignificance next to the knowledge that what you have done in Christ is settle all our accounts. And now, we as individuals are debt-free. Would you meet us here now as we celebrate that? We do so. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.